Your attention, please. please. Listening to the AMPM podcast may cause recurring revenue streams and unfair, unfair advantages over your competitors. Other side effects may include better wallets, fired bosses, and longer vacations. Listen at your own risk. Here's your host, seven-figure entrepreneur and online marketing madman, Manny Coates. Manny Coates. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the AMPM podcast. My name is Manny Coates, and I will be your host. And this is the show where we discuss all things Amazon private label and how to generate recurring revenue streams 24 hours per day during the AM and the PM, hence the name of the show. Get it? AM, PM podcast. As a matter of fact, I was walking through a beautiful castle in Granada, Spain with my girlfriend. It was just amazing. Um, touching the walls that were older than the United States. While I was absorbing all this history, I was making money. How cool is that? Pretty cool, I think. Hey, everybody. I'm super excited because I have my buddy Norm on the line with me today. Norm Farrar. He's also known as the beard guy. If you just look at him in this video, you'll know why. <laughs> Norm, how you doing, bud? Good. How are you? I am awesome. I'm actually very happy to actually have you on the show. We've talked so many times. We met at the Illuminati Live conference in Mexico, and it was actually after, it was at the bar. We were just talking. And we, I think we had like, I don't know, 60, 70 people at that bar talking. And one of the things that struck me was the SOP process that you went through right? That you have in place. You want to tell everybody just real quickly a little bit about you and what that SOP thing was? Sure. Sure. Okay. So uh, a little bit about me. Um, I guess I'm pretty much a serial entrepreneur. I love startups. I love getting companies going. And um, anyways, I guess uh, I started out back in 1993 uh, with my first e-commerce site. Um, I was the president of a, a publicly traded company, uh, which was the first publicly traded company in Canada for premium incentives. Um, ended up doing um, a variety of, um, uh, I got involved with the uh, tech industry. I, I had a small uh, tech incubator back in Tampa, Florida. And then uh, I went on, uh, this is actually with my family. We bought two factories in Taiwan, uh, got that going, contract manufacturing. Uh, got into um, sourcing, so we have sourcing agents on the ground in China, and uh, got into specialty packaging. So, you know, I'm all over the map. So actually, when Amazon came about, um, it was, I mean, if you, you probably noticed, I'm Canadian. I, I'll try not to say about <laughs> too many times. But um, anyways, when Amazon came about, it was my perfect storm. So it brought everything together, everything you needed to do to be successful on Amazon. So um, one of the things, and probably the most important thing that probably changed my life, is um, a book by uh, Peter Gerber, E-Myth, the E-Myth Academy. And I uh, went through that, uh, went through the course, and started doing SOPs. So for our launch process, we have 272 SOPs. So every, uh, we don't have to use everyone for a launch, but everyone is documented. Uh, everyone has a process. Everyone has templates. Everyone has video t tutorials. So we put everything in place. So if we do have to show somebody or if somebody wants to go on holidays, they can so I'm, I, I get pretty anal when I do my SOPs. And the one I think we're talking about is the <laughs> coffee policy. That was the one that I remember at the bar. I was like, what? You have yeah. one for coffee? Yeah, how to make a cup of coffee. And um, so anyways, we had 23 people sitting down thinking about why it's important. We we're trying to build this policy. Mm -hmm. And everybody thought it, this was like crazy. Why are you doing this? Well, at the end of the day, we found out how important it is to have 
that coffee on, consistency, how to save money, where is it, who's going to put it on, and everybody knows. And actually, we almost, uh, we had a three-strike policy. <laughs> and oh, one guy didn't do it twice, and he, he was one of my major sales guys, and he said, Norm, you're not going to, you're not going to fire me because I'm not making the coffee properly. And I said, well, look, at you. we've gone through it. We've gone through the process. Now, if you, um, if you don't do it, if you can't follow this, well, how are you going to follow the tough policy? Mm. So he kind of got it. The light bulb went on. And now I'm, you know, everything I do is, is policies and procedures, automated and scalable. Yeah, that's the awesome thing about our chats is you've been able to scale your business like crazy. And you're such a, an unassuming guy. You were just hanging out. I'm, you're, you're the beard guy, right? And right. You, you have bought factories. You've run, you know, what? You've helped eight and nine figure, nine figure companies, right? Grow their brands. You've got an interesting story we're going to talk about in a little bit about some clients because you deal, you're working with a couple dozen clients at the moment, I believe, right? Uh, yeah, I have 20 clients that I, I've worked with, okay. that I work with right now. Okay. All right. So we're going to get into some hard hitting questions. I want to get through some rapid fire questions just so that the listeners and the viewers know a little bit more about where you're at with Amazon. You said you started back in the nineties. Um, how long have you been selling on Amazon specifically with private label? Two and a half years. Two and a half years. And where would your monthly sales numbers be right now? Uh, they range from about 750 to 1.2 million. Okay. And that's per, how often? That's per month? Monthly, monthly. Okay. Wow. Okay. So you're doing monthly numbers that people dream about doing in a year. So that's awesome. Okay. Profit margin after all advertising costs, refunds, uh, Amazon. All right. Fees. So people don't believe the profit margins, but it all comes down to research. And uh-huh. one of the benefits we had with having the, the factory in China or in Taiwan um, is getting sourcing agents. So I don't believe in Alibaba. I don't use Alibaba. I don't use Alibaba Express. I don't use, I go direct. And, um, I'm, if I buy a, a product for, let's say it's a $10, or let's say it's a $15 product. So I'm looking at probably about a $1, 150 cost. Amazon's going to charge me about 465. The rest, uh, you, you might throw 20 points in there for marketing. The rest is profit. So we're turning three, four, five, six, seven, eight times profit. Wow. Okay. That's awesome. And how many ASINs do you currently have that make up these big numbers? Hundreds. Hundreds and hundreds. Yeah. Um, but I, I have to go back. Um, like we have, we've got hundreds of products. We've probably got thousands of bundles. Uh, we believe in bundling. Uh, I think it's the best thing you possibly do to optimize your product listing. Hmm. How do you do your bundling? How's that work? So, um, we try to bundle every product that we have. I don't think unless the category doesn't allow it, um, we try to bundle everything. And, and let's say, um, soap, for example, so we might do a one pack, three pack, five pack of soap. Uh, also under that parent child variation, we might do, um, a, could be, um, different types of scents. It could be the scents with a soap dish or what I try to do with all my listings is I try to find a, uh, like an under a dollar added value that could be like for us, it could be a soap glove or it could be a puff, something like that, that we can bundle together that helps protect our listing against hijackers. So when you're doing the bundles, not only do you get the traffic, like each title, each, um, all the keywords, everyone has different keywords associated with it. So what we try to do is get the most keywords possible on the product listing. So I don't care if somebody comes in and they have a five pack or a 10 pack, they see the one pack and they see the product that they want. And, mm-hmm. and bundling by itself, you're probably looking at a 20, maybe a 20, 25% increase in sales. Really? Just from doing that? Bundling. Okay. And you didn't have to change 
I mean, how much workload did that add to, to everything well, that you're doing? You, I have um, writers that, that work with me on the, on the research and the titles. Uh, it takes a little bit, uh, but it's well worth it in the end. Okay. So once you start doing, you don't have to, what I'm trying to do in my titles is I just take a primary keyword. I try to put a couple of, uh, or keyword phrase, a couple of other keywords and mix it into the title. I don't keep the titles too long. Um, like they're all under 150 characters, more, more or even less than that. Um, I, I work with, uh, the helium 10 product, uh, to work on my keywords in the back and get the best possible keywords. Everyone is different. So we're trying to see also how to optimize their listing. So the main listing that we have is I have everything relevant, everything that I need. The, the 10th, uh, parent child could have some long tail keywords or just, you know, we're just grasping at straws to see what we'll get, but that might be an extra sale or two just coming in from these, um, lower end keywords. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. We could talk about that for a little while. I'm going to move on though. Cause I have a lot of questions uh, oh, I want to ask. Sure. You mentioned you do not use Alibaba or any of these no. places. You have a sourcing agent and you just go direct to the factories. If somebody wanted to do the same thing, they're like, you know what? I want to do what Norman's doing. How do they find a good sourcing agent to do that for them? Well, you can, you can research, you can just go on to, um, like you can try to find sourcing agents. Um, you have to be careful too, because a lot of these sourcing agents are just, um, brokers and they might be brokers that are not only one, but two or three brokers deep. Mm. So, uh, like to give you an example, we were doing some EVA foam and, uh, we had to go through three different sourcing agents to get the proper foam. They kept doing something. We'd open up the, the foam at the end. And it was in a full container, wrong product. Um, so we learned our lesson early on about this. But uh, finding a good sourcing agent, I mean, if you're looking for uh, a, sourcer, uh, a sourcing agent, you know, by all means, you can contact me. Um, I have my connections, but you can also just go on to Google or Bing and try to find one yourself. Uh, there's tons out there. And you really do have, you want to make sure that they have, um, they have connections with freight forwarders that they have kidding and assembly that they, um, might have, uh, oh, uh, inspection, you know, who's doing the inspection. These are certain things that you want to have. You just don't want to have a guy saying I'm a sourcing agent. You want to be able to utilize his contacts in China as well. How do you know if somebody is two levels or three levels deep as, do you have like a technique Price. for figuring it out? Price? Price. You're going to come back. Uh, so let's say a soap dish. Um, I've been quoted on one soap dish, the exact same product coming from the exact same factory. One's three seventy-five. One's a dollar seventy-five. Okay. And if if you're going directly through your sourcing agent, have you found? Can you use Alibaba to find a similar price for the same product, or have you just not seen that? Yeah. I what, what I try to do is when I'm sourcing, I'll go to Alibaba because I want to have a laugh, see what they're going to come back with. <laughs> And then I'll see what the sourcing agent comes back with. And sometimes the one person that I use, um, the primary person I use doesn't have the connections. Um, it might be for wood products. So I have to go to somebody else. Uh, and, and it's just really getting to uh, build a relationship with these guys. Okay, cool. All right. When you're looking for a particular product, you're doing some product research. Is there anything special that you're looking for? Yeah, the... <laughs> The product, uh, the product has to have, if I'm looking at a supplier that already is supplying another company, so if I do have competitors, 
I, I usually uh, do the Brady Bunch approach. I put my competitors around. I check out, you know, what's happening, um, see if I can compete them, with them. I also, I just look at the products a little bit differently. So if everybody's got a, a red plastic shoe, shoe stretcher, I try to see if I could possibly get it in wood or uh, could it be imprinted? What type of imprinting that, that, you, that you want? Can you etch it? Can you, um, can you just put a silk screen on it? Can it, there be some identifier on there that um, shows your product to be different? It could be size. So, it, you know, you just, you want to stand out. If everybody's selling a, a red shoe stretcher, then, you know, it, for the most part, unless you um, package it differently, you're all going to be bottom feeders. You're going to be product cannibalization and you don't want to do that. The other thing that's really important too, is if I do see um, uh, people selling the product, they can't suck. You know, <laughs> you can't, you can't have three star reviews. And, uh, you know, think yours is going to have a five-star review because, um, you know, you're getting it at a higher price or a better price. It's coming from the same factory. So if people don't like the product for certain reasons. Hmm. Uh, and you have to look at those reviews, by the way. So, if, you know, if they are, sometimes you can get around, you know, what those uh, negatives are, put a spin on it, and then you can um, maybe just repackage it something. Maybe that's the problem is the packaging is terrible. Okay. All right. Yeah. Let's talk about perceived value. You've always been big on this, right? Yeah. Uh, the packaging, the, the little things that you do. How do you go about creating perceived value so that a small investment turns into big returns? Um, that's the beauty of perceived value. Is it's usually um, the least expensive part of your investment. So it's the little things that everybody else don't want to touch mm-hmm. or they, they just don't bother touching. Everybody just wants to get launch a product. So yeah, building a brand is great, but taking a look and being different than anybody else. So if somebody's got that red shoe stretcher, you've got something that might be black with a gold imprint that might look like a higher perceived value. Um, it's the packaging, like to spending 15 cents or 25 cents. I've seen where I can get $7 more on certain products. And can you, can you give an example of that? Yep. This. This is a, this is just a, uh, a garden hand shear. They're, they're, they don't cost very much at all, titanium blade. So what we did is we went out there, we said, oh, look at everybody else is selling steel carbon blades. Do you have anything that we can use to make this different? Yep, titanium. So then we started marketing the titanium. The titanium cost is 35 cents extra, 45 cents extra. We were able to sell it for $7 extra. Mm. We increased the uh, clamshell. It came in a clamshell. We created a, like a, a really nice package, micro corrugated. You open it up. There was a, it actually came in a separate package. I've already used these. Um, and then there was an insert to a VIP. So everything that we did with this package oozed perceived value. Like it oozed, it was a premium product. Even though you can buy the same product on Amazon for $5. Okay. Why is this one selling for 23? Mm. you know, or 19 or, but it, 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 it was at least double the price of most of the competitors. And that perceived value. I mean, I get it when someone actually opens the package at home, the box from Amazon and they see it and they go, wow, that looks really cool. Are you showing that perceived value of the packaging through the photography? Is that like in your main image? Is that what you're doing? You know, uh, yeah. Fiverr, for me, Fiverr or getting your next door neighbor because they have an iPhone, you know, it just doesn't work. If, if you're going to these uh, guys that are uh, selling pictures for $10, $15 an image, $25 an image, you're going to get what you pay for. 
Um, whenever I'm uh, working with a client, I'm trying to get that client to probably spend between 750 and 2200 bucks on images. So that would consist of usually maybe three or four product images, well lit, proper lens. Um, it, it's so important. And then making some really creative looking um, uh, images. So I, I do have some pictures that I can, I can show you if you wanted at you know, either now or uh, later on, yeah, or I could no just uh, send them over. Okay, yeah. so I'll share my screen. Okay, that's cool. Okay, so this is just uh, an example. Uh, we redesigned the package of this product here. And as you can see, can you see that okay? I can see it, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so um, the top part was for the uh, EBC, but these, uh, this product here, it doesn't sh quite show the lighting, but it's night and day to what it was. It was very flat. We used a kicker light in the background. It highlighted the bottle. White and black are really two hard products to um, shoot. We showed um, something with the product in use. Um, then we, we wanted to bring out, you know, some of the uh, benefits, features and benefits, and then show people that it's paraben free, uh, for vegans, uh, made in the USA, all these little bits of highlights. So it's just not a product shot. So, uh, going out there, spending it, uh, spending the dollars on this, I will spend a thousand dollars on a good set or $2,200 on a good set any day of the week. Now, I think... I wanted to use this picture, um, which is, I'll try to, this is a product that um, I just got back. So we were developing this product and on the left, you have an incredible camera angle. It's perfect. On the right, if you split test this, we separated the two and we showed the two bottles. This is just taking at a slightly higher um, elevation using a slightly different lens, completely different. And when we split tested, it we showed that we got 30% better results using the product on the left. Okay. So you just, you know, uh, oh, and here's the garden shears, by the way, the ones that we just handling. So this is what they were using. Flat, very flat. Yeah. And look at the difference. Yeah, it really pops. Yeah. Okay. Wow. And you have your own photographer for your clients or did you? Well, how's yeah, that I, have, uh, I have about five photographers that I use. Okay. And uh, some are less expensive than the others, but whenever it's um, it, whenever whenever I think I could be uh, getting over ten fifteen thousand dollars a month on a product, uh, I'm going to um, um, a photographer that's probably going to cost about a thousand bucks at least. Okay. Cool. This is gold. This is good. And I agree. I think people overlook. They'll spend so much money on actually sourcing a product, shipping it out, you know, getting everything set up, but then they won't spend. And it doesn't take a lot, right? It's 15 cents more, 20 cents on some packaging or a little bit more on, on the photography. Because if the photography looks terrible, no one's going to click in. And if they do click in and they look at your images real quick, they're out. They don't like it. Well, so, How about this? A handwritten note. A handwritten note. Tell us about that. All right. So you can go to these kidding assembly places. You can go to your fulfillment center. You can go to the manufacturer and you can just hire them. And for two, three, four cents a note. Mm -hmm. They'll just write something. So for soap, it could be uh, uh, lather up, enjoy this incredible experience or something like that. We have 10, maybe 10, 15 sayings. It's all handwritten. Uh, thank you for your purchase. Enjoy, you know, enjoy your soap club experience or something like that. You know, just just uh, just something that personalizes it. We want to build loyalty. Wait, so, is, is this a handwritten note that then you then copy? Tons of times, or are you talking about every no. single? 
No. Okay, if we're ordering like 5,000 units, there's 5,000 notes, Uh and there's 10 people writing, uh, you know, 50 notes or whatever, 500 notes. And then we pay, you know, four cents, three cents for the note. Hmm. Okay. All right. And then, so then the factory or whoever's putting it all together will have a a big stack of them and they're just putting them in one at a time. Yeah. And, you know, when you're doing this, when you're kind of doing all of the little things, so a lot of times when we're creating a package, so we'll do the handwritten note or we'll do some form of note. We'll do the VIP or the coupons. Um, we might have some internal packaging. So again, let's use a bar of soap. You might have it where there's a cloth with a sticker on it or a wax stamp on it, something that's pennies. And, but yet when the user opens up the box, we never take the box from the top. We always have them uh, unveil the product. So now you see it. It tells you um, this really incredible inspirational message when they open it. Then when they look down, they see the soap. And then underneath that, they have the handwritten note and they have, a, it might be um, uh, like for us with one of our products, we donate, donate to this one charity um, that helps empower women in third world countries and give them the, their communities safe drinking water. Hmm. I mean, people love it, you know, and, uh, and we're, we were happy to do that because we believe in that, uh, that charity. Okay. That's awesome. Okay. This is all good stuff. I have, I have a lot of questions here and we got a limited amount of time to get them all in, but you've got this amazing packaging. You've got the handwritten letters. You've got all these things in there. Let's talk about pricing of the product. We talked about that a little bit, but what do you do with pricing to actually outcompete your competitors? Okay. So everything does have a price point, but uh, if you'd like, I put together a really small case study. Um, I've shown it before, but I've got the end results now. Uh, and this will show you a huge difference of what I was able to put into somebody's pocket, one of our clients' pockets, by just adjusting the price. Okay. Uh, would you like me to show that? Yeah, yeah. So this is optimizing the pricing? Yeah, this is, this is trying to convince an almost unconvincible client <laughs> that he can break a $10 mark on a product. Okay. okay. All so right. Good. So he didn't want to go beyond 10 bucks. No way. Uh, he did not want to go beyond $10. He did not want to spend money on photography. And at the end of the day, um, I'll show you the results. They're pretty cool. Okay. Yeah, I like this stuff. All right. So this is similar to the product. I didn't want to show the, the client's uh, uh, name on here. He, he actually asked me not to. But um, <laughs> we took this product. Uh, a little background information on this. The guy was selling this product for 18 months. He sold under $1,000 worth of product. Um, the product was incredible. Anybody who did uh, use it, loved it. Um, so wart remover. Okay. Glamorous. Uh, so we don't have to make it look like wart remover. We don't have to use ugly colors. We don't have to use brown bottles. So what we wanted to do is retarget it. And we came up with a fresh looking natural, um, we we marketed towards more wellness and, uh, natural products Mm -hmm. rather than medical or medicinal type products. And so we came up with a green bottle. Um, we made it nice and clean. Uh, so this is with giving away 240 units. So we just, it's not all organic sales, but at the end of the day, the first month by changing the packaging, changing the colors, changing the brand, um, they were at nine ninety nine. Uh, we, we brought it up to 1299. The first month we got $8,000 in sales. The second month we got 28,000. The third month we got 68,000, but we ran out of inventory 10 days into it. 
uh, because the guy didn't want to spend a hundred dollars on transportation. Oh, geez. So, uh, anyways, we had to fight back. We got it back in uh, the next month, I think was 74, but now I just pulled these numbers off because we're selling the product, uh, in August, we sold it for 1999 and here, the, the, I'm not kidding. This is profit. Okay. This is everything taken out. Mm-hmm. If we would have stayed at 999, he would have, with the amount of units that we sold in August, he would have got 2,500. By the time we got to August, he did 55,000. In September, he ended up with $76,000 uh, profit, which was a difference of $71,000 if he didn't try to uh, get that product to go up. Now, what do we do? Um, we, we split test everywhere. Um, you know, we're, we're constantly trying to see where our limits are on the profit. And I think right now, uh, $23, $24 is probably the maximum. Mm-hmm. Once we start to sell, once you start to see the sales drop and the profit uh, drop for the month, then we start to play around with it a bit more. But um, it's all about perception. And this guy would have got $2,000. So a guy taking a course, going and doing it the way he's supposed to without playing around with this, without adding little things, this is $76,000 profit. That's crazy. And the image difference between that, you know, kind of dull, boring brown bottle versus that nicely lit, backlit, kind of refreshing green. It's like, I want that. That looks like something I want to use. The other one looks like, oh, like you said, almost like a medical product. Oh, I got to drip it on there. And so I can see why you could get that you know, those, those sales, even if you're not the cheapest one, people will look at that. If, if that other product was nine ninety five and your new product was nineteen ninety five, people will still buy the, the more expensive ones just based on the way it looks on that perceived right. value. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So that's super awesome. Wow. Okay. So that's, so <laughs> it's crazy that you have a clients that are making, you know, close to six figures in profit. And then they argue about a hundred dollars shipping, <laughs> shipping bill. <Yep. laughs> that's crazy. All right, cool. And that was a great example, guys, by the way, you know, spend a little bit of time on that kind of stuff. The bottles, is that all you, are you going, are you the one that goes in and designs like, okay, we're going to go from this brown bottle to green bottles, or do you have like a team that you've built up that actually goes in and advises on all of this? I, I, one of the factories that we built uh, in China was a packaging company. So we ended up doing all sorts of specialty packaging. So uh, that was actually me. I, I went out and I found these different bottles, but I do have a team that goes out and all I'll do, let's say it's um, uh, Dead Sea Mud. You know, how can you compete in a really saturated market? And then they'll go out and try to find a really premium or unique looking bottle. And then we'll just build the brand, build the story behind it and then launch. Okay. That's awesome. We've gone through a bunch of things that you're doing. Is, is this part of a formula or do you have a formula? And if so, what kind of returns do you see from that formula? Well, usually when I'm looking, like I, I've got to get, if I'm looking at a product that's a buck, uh-huh. I've got to be able to get four bucks back. Um, it, it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make any sense if you're not getting those types of multiples. Okay. So your ROI is always right around, you're trying to get a 4X on everything. At least. I've literally got things. Well, I told you about the ships that one time, but I mean, you're looking at 10 times, uh, you know, 10 times uh, uh, profit, you know, coming back. Wow. Okay. And that's, that's after everything, all expenses, everything. Uh, Yeah. Like, and we will, we'll put into giveaways. We put a ton of time into press releases. Um, We, uh, we use Amazon um, uh, PPC and usually, you know, we'll, we'll use around 20%. 
that's our, our rate, 20-23% when we go into a marketing budget. And um, yeah, those are the types of returns we're getting. Okay. If the majority of products are priced at a certain level, let's say they're, they're almost all at nine ninety five as an example, yep. do you try to launch right at that price point or do you always just say, you know what, forget about it and, and go a little higher? What's your, what's the process there of launching? Well, first of all, um, I, I take a look to see if there is uh, uh, product cannibalization. So has the price dropped dramatically over the last little while? And if there's a bunch of bottom feeders on the, uh, like, uh, you know, out of those 16, let's say 10 are bottom feeders, um, I let them continue to be bottom feeders. Uh, maybe for the first week or for the first few days, I'll drop the price. So I, I want to get sales momentum. And then after that, I bring it right up. Matter of fact, when we're a new strategy that we're, we're just trying right now is we double the price. So we double the retail value of the price. And we, um, we provide either, um, uh, we, for the most part, we're providing gift cards. Um, and then double the price, then we bring it back down to what we think the uh, consumer would want. On Amazon, a lot of products will have the retail price, right? And then they have the sales price. Are you saying, when you say you're doubling the retail price, just the one that has a line crossed out through it, and then you have a different sales price? Okay, so if, if we've got all those 995 guys that are in the bottom, um, I'm gonna try to go out, uh, let, let's say that my sale would be 15, okay? So we're four or $5 more. When I actually launch the product, I'm at 30. Okay. So then I'll, I'll hand out a bunch of uh, gift certificates at 30, and then I'll bring the price down to 15, 15, 95, and I'll start the price optimization there. Because if people are willing to pay 30 bucks for the product, yeah. I just, what I've seen recently is that we've had some really great uh, optimization with uh, people paying uh, double value. How do you get them on a launch to actually pay that though? Are you doing this through PPC, through sponsored ads or? Well, I, I've got a, like for me, I, I just have a group of people that, like a fairly large group of people that help us out with uh, the, the, uh, the purchases. Okay. The initial launch. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Yeah. Enough said. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Cool. Now, how many people do you have on your team? 39. 39. Okay. How many, how many are in house? I outsource everything except for one person. Really? One everything. And what I do when I outsource is I don't get just a VA. I get the expert in writing copy, expert for PC, expert for whatever it is. And then I segregate, like everything is separated and um, they do what they do best. And then they just talk amongst each other. Okay. And you are the guy that gave me the idea of literally trying to outsource everything you can to free up your time because you even have a content consumption person, which we now have um, <laughs> because of you, because you don't have time to go through every podcast or every webinar or read every article. So they go through everything and then they condense it down into nice little chunks. And then you can decide if it's if valuable and whether you need to make an SOP out of it. Is that right? Isn't that cool? <laughs> it's, it's awesome. It's amazing. You guys should rewind that and, and listen to that again, because there's only so many hours in the day. You can't right. get to everything. So you hired somebody and actually, I, I'm going to have to ask you at some point to see one of your, I want to compare our guys to yours and see if you were doing the same kind of stuff because um, it's very interesting and you get a lot. I mean, there's probably, you know, 10 hours worth of Amazon webinars and, and, and podcasts every single day if you wanted to listen to them. And, and there's always that gold nugget somewhere. 
Yeah. So if you can have someone go through that and you can condense all that down into something you can read in 15 minutes, that's awesome. It's perfect. And then you can make an informed decision whether you want to move forward with it or not. Right. Okay. All right. Cool. All right. I want to definitely have you back on the show to answer a ton more questions. I know we're having some video issues, so I'm, gonna ha- I'm not going to wait very long to have you back on. But before we go, are there any things that I didn't ask you about, something that you really want to cover in this, this episode? Oh, geez. Perceived value is probably... I can't... I think if I could leave a message is you really got to take a, a look at your competitors and how they're doing things, and you've got to do it differently. And you don't have to spend a lot of money doing it. You can just spend pennies to really make a lot of dollars. And 100%, don't be afraid to bring up your price, but it's got to warrant it. So you've got, if you don't have the brand, if you don't have that culture behind your brand, it's going to flop. So as long as everything looks, if you're selling a premium product, don't put it in a crappy Chinese box. You know, spend the money, get a really quality, like get, get the right people to design it. Don't go to, for me, I don't go to Fiverr. I go to, you know, specialists. Um, so that's probably the, the best, the easiest way for me to tell people to, you know, they can, they can literally double their profits. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. I have a final question for you. If you could go back to when you first started this whole process, you're going back in time and you're talking to yourself, what advice would you give yourself? Oh, I, I think there's probably two things. One is you, you really can't beat yourself up when you have a failure. You've got to learn from that failure. It's actually probably the best learning experience that you can have. Apply it like figure out what you did and turn it around and make it a positive. The second thing is get in there and if something's not working and if you can't change it, if you've got a crappy product, cut it as soon as you possibly can. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Don't, don't fall in love with it and hold on to it. You got it. Yeah. You know what? I, I normally end here, but I, I want to end on something a little differently. Because Again, we could talk for so long. There's so many good things. But I want you to end this on the story that you told me about the boats. Can we end on that? Because that was awesome. If you can sum that up in a, in, in a couple of minutes, that'd be awesome. Okay. So you don't have to, you don't have to be sourcing just in China. So we, we source all over, ended up in Vietnam, um, went into this factory looking for furniture, ended up seeing boats. So there was an opportunity. Uh, Miami Boat Show was coming up. I thought, wow, these are really cool. These are three foot long wooden replica boats. So we bought a 20 foot container worth of boats, got them over to Miami, unloaded, sat there for two days and absolutely sold nothing. I thought, oh, this is a disaster. And so this lady on a Sunday came over and she said, what's wrong with your boats? What do you mean? She goes, well, why are they so cheap? And I looked, she told me where the other competitor was. It was a Chinese competitor. And they were selling these boats for $3,500 a pop, $25 to $3,500 a pop. And they were terrible. So I went back, got our price list, went over to Kinko's, came back, revised the price. And we brought the price from $750 up to $2,500. And we sold out. Sold out. Yeah. And the boats cost me $85. $85. So. Yeah. Again, a hope that that is like the perfect way to end this, this podcast on perceived value. You didn't change anything other than the price. People go, man, it must be really good. That'd be a great it's, pool. it's the same price as the other guys, but your boat is, is way better. And you just sold, and you sold out how fast was that? Like by the end of the week. 
Wow. That's so crazy. I think at the end of the, at the end of the day, when all the vendors are ripping down, they all came over and I think we had about 13, maybe 20 boats left. And so we were giving deals out, but yeah, we were getting full pop. Jeez, that's crazy. I love that story. And you got, <laughs> you got other stories with the rubber stamps. We're going to talk about that one on the uh, next show, but if people want to reach out to you, I'll, I'll tag you in our Facebook group. Is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. Sure. Okay, perfect. So guys, Norm Farrar, he, this guy just brings it. He's probably the nicest Amazon seller I've ever met. And one of the nicest people I know personally, the guy is just amazing. He's always giving. He's been in the industry forever. So if you have questions, you know, ask, tag him right there in the, uh, in the post. We're going to be posting this, by the way, if you're not part of our Facebook group, it's called the FBA High Rollers group on Facebook. And you can get there by going to ampmpodcast.com forward slash Facebook. Norman, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show. You've been listening to the AMPM podcast hosted by Manny Coates. For more information, insider, insider tools, tools, and to get the resources mentioned in this episode, visit ampmpodcast.com.